The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Beinhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Right. It's more like the history channel. So as much as we're we're selling things, we're trying to, you know, offer in a way that's educational. People learn about these coins. It's not like just some infomercial guy trying to jam some product down here. So buy my mom. Right. Of course. It's. Hey, you know, this coin is, this is why I think it's cool. You know, this coin was, you know, there's history to it. There's rarity. You know, we talk about a lot of the coins, you know, we sell gold coins that are from the, the early 20th century. Uh-huh. You know, there's a, there's a period that we call the Renaissance of American coinage. So in the, in the early 20th century, Theodore Roosevelt became president he thought our coins were ugly. He was a like a guy who was into art. He collected coins, but he was into art besides his famous, you know, love of nature and the national parks and everything. Right. And he thought our coins were ugly. So he actually wrote a letter to the secretary of, of treasury. And we show this letter a lot and we read the letter and he writes his letter and says, our current coinage is of hideous atrociousness. You know, and it's, <laughs> it's a great story and it's interesting. And then, you know, we're showing the letter and we're showing the, these coins and, and he worked with Augustus St. Gaudens and he worked with all these people who were famous artists of the day. You're not in the coin world, but just artists. You know. Yeah. I mean, you go to the Met, you'll see St. Gaudens, you know, statues that he did. And, and there's a national park where his, um, you know, studio was up in Vermont. You know, so he, Roosevelt went and got these artists who were the best artists of the day to create these coins. So the information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, I'm Jack McNamara. I've been collecting coins for over 40 years, as long as I can remember. And I'm a co-founder of Rare Collectibles TV. And I'm here to share my experience in turning my hobby, uh, something I love doing for my whole life, into my profession. 
Okay, and welcome to another episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. For those of you listening out there on whatever platform you're listening on, be sure to leave us a, a nice review, as well as if you're watching our discussion on YouTube, and you're going to meet Jack in a minute, be sure to subscribe to the channel to support us and hit that like button. So I am. I have a unique guest on today. We're going to talk a little bit about collectibles and some very interesting stuff. Um, and Jack's going to explain some things to me in a bit. But Jack is a um, what's the word, Jack? What's I know uh, there's a word for coin for for stamp collectors. So what's the word for coin collectors? I am a numismatist. So numismatics is the study of rare coins and money. Uh, so that's why it says you're a member of the professional numismatist guild, correct? And a life member of the American Numismatic Association, correct? Very good. So we all learned a word, a big vocabulary SAT word today. They are. I used to when people used to ask me what I do, I used to say I'm a numismatist, and then I I felt I after a while I felt a little ostentatious having to explain that to everyone, like I was trying to show off. So I usually just say I'm a coin dealer. <laughs> I think if you told me you were a, a numismatist, I would think you're some sort of a magician. <laughs> right. Or may, maybe you think I'm like a doctor. People may think I'm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I appreciate coming on. Uh, I appreciate Andrea Pass for introducing us. Um, and why don't you go back and we'll talk about your story and how you got into coin collecting. And I think it's a, as I was saying off the mic, an interesting discussion about people out there who have hobbies, especially if they're younger, that it could become a career for them, you know? Right, right. Well, first off, thanks for having me, Mitch. I appreciate you uh, bringing Welcome. me on. Um, but yeah, I grew up as a kid in New Jersey, as, as you did, yeah. I grew up in North Jersey. Okay. And my grandfather had collected coins for his whole life. His grandfather actually was the one who got him into collecting coins. Okay. Um, so ever since I was a little kid, I'd get coins from my grandfather for birthdays and Christmas and things. And I started the same way a lot of people started. I had these little albums. You know, when I was a kid, it was old pennies, but a lot of the newer generation started with state quarters with these right, albums. I remember when those were coming out, we were, yeah. Right. And it's a great way to start because you don't need a lot of money. You can go through, you know, as a kid, you know, I'd go through my parents' change and, you know, and I'd always look forward to holidays, getting coins from my grandfather. And we'd go over to my grandparents' house, me and my brother, and we had our little books. And my grandfather actually had like a bin of the old wheat pennies, the old uh -huh. pennies that had the wheat sure. on the back. Yeah. And yeah. we would play bingo. And he would like go through and call out that, you know, I have a 1941 day. Oh, I need that one for my book. You know, <laughs> so it was a lot, you know, this fun kind of connection I had with my grandfather. And it was something that, you know, I learned about history and I learned about right. supply and demand and about different countries. I'd always look for coins, you know, if somebody got a coin in their change or traveled, like I was always looking for these foreign coins. And you know, there's yeah, a lot but, as a kid you can learn about, you know, right. from, from coins. Um, so it was something that was a lot of fun and something I had this connection with my grandfather and he had a connection with his grandfather who I later found out, I don't know if my grandfather even realized this, but my great grandfather actually had advertised coins for sale and dealt coins in the 1880s. So like he was a dealer. Yeah. Like in the, like there's ads that I found from like 1887 in the American journal of numismatics, which was wow. a pretty new publication then. And there's probably only a couple dozen dealers in the country, but he was in New York City advertising coins for sale. You know, if you watch, there's this new show that my wife and I got into called The Gilded Age. 
uh-huh. on HBO. It takes place in New York City in the 1880s. People are like building their homes. Maybe your, your great grandfather will show up. Right, right. Like an ad they'll see is something about coin collects. This is right in that period of time. So I'll have to check that out. Right. That out. That's pretty funny. But I, I think, you know, I remember growing up, we would get those books and my, I did it with my son too, because when the state course quarters right. came out, we were older, right? And, you know, every time there was some change, he would be like, oh, dad, what? Do you, which one? Do you, oh, no, I already have that one. Uh, right. you know, I'm looking for Hawaii. Did you find, right. you know, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun hobby. I also did stamps when I was younger, but that was really because- I guess my mom or my grandfather did it and like left it to me, but I never really got it. I just remember the book was lighter. Like right. the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the coin yeah. book was too heavy for me. So, right. but right. yeah, coin collecting is a, is a cool thing. So, okay. So go on with the story. But yeah, the, the, and those stakeholder books are great. I mean, you're learning about history, like, cause they yeah. put those out in order of, of, uh, you know, when the States joined the, the union. Right. But, um, but yeah, so then I, you know, once I had little jobs, I'd ride my bike, I'd ride to Tenafly, diversified coin and stamp from Tenafly. And there was another one in Closter, ride my little bike and buy coins. And I'm kind of one of these guys too. You find this with a lot of collectors. Uh-huh. You kind of have this collecting bug or gene where, you know, for a while it was more baseball cards for me for a little while, which my grandfather kind of frowned. It was like, oh, that's nice, but stick with the coins, kid, you know? <laughs> um, and and uh, it just became this lifelong thing. And after college, I didn't really think of it as something I could make a, a career. Cause at the time I, I still kind of, you know, just saw these little coin stores with like one or two guys working there. I didn't realize that there was right. kind of more to it than this. Yeah. That's what was in my neighborhood. And you would just, yeah. there's some guy and you figured he just buys and sells coins. Mm-hmm. Or right. Coins. And he's usually cranky because, you know, yeah. everybody comes in and thinks their penny is worth a million dollars and it's worth a right. penny, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, um, after college, I did some other things. I worked with, you know, Prudential with life insurance, and I worked at mm-hmm. Equitable, you know, AXA with 401k plans. I think it's actually I, Equitable again. Is it Equitable again? And they changed back. I think the French company spun <laughs> yeah. them off and it became a, and it's funny. People were like telling me, because I grew up in the insurance business too. My father okay. was in the business. Okay. And people were like, oh, there's this, they changed their name to this new company, Equitable. I go, it's not a new company. A yeah, new company that's like a hundred yeah. and something years old. Right. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, so, but I was doing these things and, and it wasn't anything I had a passion for. I was bored. It was just a job, you know, and I started thinking like, you know, what can I do that, that I can enjoy? And, and you were still collecting at that point, just. Yeah. Like off and on, I mean, in in high school and college, and this is a pretty common trajectory. You know, a lot of people, they collect as a kid and then you kind of get busy with high school sports and life and your studies and things. And, you know, I, I, I'm a music geek too. So I played in bands for a little and, you know, I just guess that I didn't have the resume to be a rock star, you know, as much as I, I wanted to, but, uh, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have other interests, but it always was something that I enjoyed doing. And I sure. looked forward to getting those things from my grandfather on holidays and things and talking to him about it. And I thought, you know, maybe I can do this, you know, maybe, maybe I can turn this hobby into a, a career. And um, I started kind of, getting a little more serious about it. My wife would laugh at me. Like I'd come home from work and I'd be reading like coin magazines and coin books right. and I'd be laughing. She's like, what are you laughing? I'm like, Oh, this funny coin story. And she's like, you're a geek. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did she think? Jack, you were going to go out and buy a little shop and 
uh, have your case there and people walk in and they with their little monocle and look. Yeah, at I'm not things. sure what she thought. I'm not sure what I thought. You know, I kind of started right, yeah. I, I started trying to do it a little more kind of on the side. Okay. And and I had a friend who knew someone who had a collection that they wanted to sell. Okay. So I did this little deal where I took the coins on consignment and I went to a coin show and I sold them and I and and that kind of got me a little bit started. I started learning a little more about, you know, it's easy as a collector to be buying, but then, you know, selling it is a whole nother animal, you know? So I kind of started with that. I, and I put together like a little price list and little descriptions. And that kind of was enough for me to get my foot in the door at stacks, which is stacks is America's house in New York, right? Yeah. They're America's oldest, you know, auction house coin company. They're a family business started in the thirties. They've been there forever. It was kind of like for me as kind of at, at the level I was at at the time, it was like, ah, right. You know? So, um, but I have a, a, I guess my mom's cousin who worked for Sotheby's who knew Larry Stack and kind of was able to make this introduction said, look, I don't know if they need help, but you know, I'll at least give them your name and you can call him. And I was like relentless. I called Larry Stack like once a week for like, <laughs> months and finally he said you want to come in and you know i ended up working there for seven years um and i learned a ton about coins because now i'm seeing a whole nother level of of things i'm not seeing the state quarters and pennies that i was putting in my book as a kid i'm seeing you know million dollar coins i'm seeing these rare coins that as a kid with my grandfather i'd look in in the book and and you know only imagine you know what these things were like and now seeing them in person and um, you this know, company only dealt in coins. They didn't deal with any other collectibles. Just, just coin, paper, money, metals, like related, oh, okay. but you know, other you know stamps or anything else. Got it. Okay. Coins. So it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of people. I learned a lot about coins, and um, you know, and, and at one point, you know, it's it was kind of a weird. You know, I wasn't really looking. You know, I ended up. You know, Rare Collectibles TV. We're in Southern California. As you can see in the name, TV is right in the name. We're, we right. sell coins on TV. Yeah. I had no aspirations to be in California. I had no aspirations to be on TV. You know, I was kind of laughing when I see the name of your podcast, you know, Accidental Entrepreneur, because this is a real accident. Like, I, like right. if you named, you know, 50 cities to move to LA would probably be like at the bottom of my list, you know, but, right. you know, I saw this ad for a company who was selling coins on TV, looking for a buyer. And I went, Oh, that's interesting. And this I, is why you were working for stack. This is when I was at stacks. Yeah. And I, okay. um, and I interviewed with them and they offered me a position as their buyer. And, I, and it was, a, I ended up taking it, you know, kind of was an offer that made sense. It gave me more responsibility. I can kind of learn more, about kind of it's a very different segment of the business because in a coin store yeah. you're generally kind of just there waiting for whatever comes in you know somebody oh my grandfather left me these coins i want to sell them right. and it's kind of whatever happens is you know and you know with a company like stacks you're you know in new york city so it's a very busy store people are coming in buy, selling things all day you know people are buying right. things too People are consigning an auction because they know this name in the auction business. But, but now I'm in a role where I'm, it's, you know, it's about marketing and, and selling, getting enough of a product to be able to offer it on TV 
and it's a, it is a very different role. So, so I moved out, out to California in 2010. Right. And, and I start working for this, this company and I was there for a few years and there I met who now are my two partners. So, so I have got it. So you didn't start where collectibles TV, you actually went to work for them. Well, no, I, it was a different company that I went to work for. Oh, okay. But, but okay. I met, I've met the co-founders of rare collectibles TV through this prior company. So that one of them, I one of them it. had okay. been, a, but that company was in LA. That company was in LA. Right. Okay. So let me right. follow this through. Cause I'm married to, so you're, you're working at Prudential or equitable, right? right. You leave what your wife probably perceived as a stable job. I'm not right. suggesting that it was, or that I have that perception, <laughs> but okay. So right. you leave that to go to work for stacks in New York, right. which probably was a pay cut, but maybe it was the same. Okay. And a then slight pay cut, not too bad though. Okay. So you were able to, so you go over there and then you find this opportunity and you go to your wife and says, not only did I leave my job and I'm working in the coin business, we're moving to LA. Yeah, that was a big, <laughs> that was a big, <laughs> you know, it was a big unknown. Um, but but we had unknown. Little, your wife's a saint, right? No, she is, and it, and it gets worse actually. <laughs> because okay. so we had so we had two little kids at the time. My okay. kids at the time were like four and like six months old. Right. Um, and part of the reason was because my wife was working in the city, and we had to have you know childcare, and she really wanted to be home when the kids were little with them. And this this move to LA would afford her the ability to stay home with the kids. So that was uh, okay. part, well, that of, part yeah. of the decision. But when I first came out, I actually was commuting back and forth for six months. So she's home with two little kids. And it was the one winter where we had like four blizzards. So, so every back time- Back and forth, coast to coast? Yeah. So I'm coming oh, to, to California and and uh, she's home with two little kids. And it happened to be the one year where we got like 18 inches of snow, like every three weeks. Yeah. I and think it, it always like happened- late- 90s or so we got like yeah, 17 was, major yeah, storms right this is well this was in 2010 the winter of 2000 oh, okay well there was a time before that was even worse but yeah we had a lot of storms those years and so she's stuck at home like with 18 inches of snow and i'm always out here like yeah it's 72 degrees today <laughs> she's in a blizzard with oh i see for, for six months she stayed in new jersey <laughs> yeah I was and she, you're out there yeah, oh man yeah. you couldn't have been even in the doghouse like every yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so okay. but eventually we you know we moved out then in, in 2011 and Got then, it. and then, um, so in 2014, we founded Rare Collectibles TV. So I was out okay. here a few years first, then we started Rare Collectibles TV. So, and it How was- you a, meet these guys? Did you meet them through the job you had? Met them through the, through the other job, right. So the it. first show. So it was a perfect fit though, because my one partner, his background is media and marketing. Okay. Then there's me, who my background is, is mainly in buying coins. And then my other partner who also buys coins, but he, you know, had kind of made a name for himself. He had written several books. His name's Rick Tamaska. So when you see our show on TV, you might see Rick's US coin show. So yeah, Rick yeah. is a, a pretty well-known numismatist. He had written books on Franklin halves and Kennedy halves and proof coins and things. So, you know, we're both, you know, coin experts, but he's, you know, a little older than me and had been around for a while kind of writing books. And he had been kind of a guest host on the show and the, and the prior company that I worked for. So that I met a TV company too. Right. Right. Got right. it. Okay. So now with rare collectibles TV, we're selling, you know, TV, like I said, is in the name. So we're selling on TV, but we've grown it 
you know, through your know, TV kind of is where people find us and where we find clients, but right. we have a very kind of, you know, one-on-one service that we, we do right, for select with. clientele, real right. serious buyers right. and sellers. Right. So, so RCTV buys spots on like, or, or, or does shows for HSN home in the, the other shopping networks, things like that. Or did you have, uh, how did you do? You didn't have a studio and a cable, you weren't channel four. So <laughs> what, how did you do? How do you promote that as a TV station? Right. Well, wh- well, now we do have our own studio. We yeah, now it's easier, studio. right? Right. Yeah. Now it's all in-house. In the very beginning, we did kind of rent studios and, and, and but, but we've always produced our own content. Okay. Um, so we were on, you know, what we're, what are traditionally kind of called live shopping channels. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, we did a little bit of it live, but we now pre-tape everything because we can put in all of this great B-roll you know, if we're right. talking about a Kennedy half, we can show a clip of Kennedy, you know, making a speech. We can show, you know, the minting process. We can show all this great information. That's so much more polished than it was. Right. It's much more polished, much more informative because, look, you know, I'm trying to share my love of, of collecting with people. And, you know, if they just see me talking about it, well, that's great. But, you know, we try and make it much more informative, much more like visual. You know, Right. It's more like the history channel. So as much sure. as we're, we're selling things, we're trying to, you know, offer in a way that's educational. People learn about these coins. It's not like just some infomercial guy trying to jam some product down here. So buy my mom. Right, of you know, course. It's, it's, hey, you know, this coin is, this is why I think it's cool. You know, this coin was, you know, there's history to it. There's rarity. You know, we talk about a lot of the coins, you know, we sell gold coins that are from the, the, early 20th century. You uh-huh. know, there's a, there's a period that we call the Renaissance of American coinage. So in the, in the early 20th century, Theodore Roosevelt became president. He thought our coins were ugly. He was a, like a guy who was into art. He collected coins, but he was into art besides his famous, you know, love of nature and the national parks and everything. Right. And he thought our coins were ugly. So he actually wrote a letter to the secretary of of treasury. And we show this letter a lot and we read the letter and he writes this letter and says, our current coinage is of hideous atrociousness. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a great story and it's interesting. And then, you know, we're showing the letter and we're showing the, these coins and, and he worked with Augustus St. Gaudens and he worked with all these people who were famous artists of the day. You're not in the coin world, but just artists. You know, yeah. I mean, you go to the Met, you'll see St. Gaudens, you know, statues that he did and, and there's a national park where his, um, you know, studio was up in Vermont. You know, so he, Roosevelt went and got these artists who were the best artists of the day to create these coins. So it's stories uh-huh. like this that. So that's the coins we have today, or not really? No, but but a lot of those designs that we're using have been repurposed. Like like the mint makes gold coins today that, that are called the Gold Eagle, but they mm-hmm. use the same design that was used on the $20 gold piece back then. So some of these designs are so popular that they kind of reuse them on new coins. Um, but, but I guess my point is when we're telling these stories, instead of me just kind of like standing there and you're watching me and you know, whatever I, you know, I don't think I'm yeah. the ugliest guy in the world. But I don't think anybody wants to sit here staring at me all day long, but you know, we can show this letter, we can show footage, of, you know, pictures of Roosevelt. We can, you know, and it makes it, you're more like a documentary that you're watching. Right, sure. Well, ironically, that's probably a better sales technique anyway. 
<laughs> because I think, especially nowadays, you know, the infomercial shoving it down people's throat, being right. a smooth salesperson, whatever people just see through it. And I think that if they're educated and they get more interested in it, I, I just think it's a more sticky relationship. They're more likely to remember it or they see it in other place. And they're like, wait, I saw, right. I saw that coin on, and I, they remember stuff. So I, th- I think it's probably better sales technique anyway. Right. It's, right. And, and for me, I'm not a natural sales guy. Like I'm a guy who loves coins. So for me, right. it's more natural too. It's, you know, I'm not a hard sale guy. Like that's just not right. who I am. No, I always I'm tell people, if you're not, not comfortable doing it that way, then it's not going to be effective. Right. Because you, right. you won't, you, you know, you're not going to enjoy it. And anything. it would come across, I think, you know, people would see right through it in a right second. You. Yeah. You know? Right through you. You know, so, so that's kind of what we do. So we're, we're on these live shopping uh, channels. So you provide them the content and then they air the show because it's all done right. and then they can call the operators and order whatever they don't they're not you're not taking calls obviously i'm not personally air, so. but it, but but they're again it's all self-contained so we have our own you know call center here we have Got a studio it. here where they're editing you know where we're filming where they're editing right. um we have an incredible photography team our photographers i think are the best um and you know the world is changing though like i mean we're on the, the live tv uh we're also on infomercials like you'll see our programming on, you know, most weekends we're on CNBC, we're on Bloomberg, we're on yeah. Fox Business. Sure. Um, and those are different in, 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 you know, those are kind of blocks that are, you know, we might be on for an hour or something where these other blocks on DirecTV, Dish, Time Warner, you know, kind of all the different cable providers, TV providers, you know, we might be on for, you know, four hours a night where, you know, it's not all one program. It'll be program. You know, right. A half hour. I'm talking about this twenty dollars gold coin. A half hour. I'm talking about a, a silver eagle. You know, or or Rick actually, or or there's another guy, James too. You know, one of us is on there talking. So it's not like a four hour show, but it's four hours of our content talking about different different, different coins. You know, because there's and different it, you know different budgets. Different people like different things. And you're streaming through the site too. And it's streaming on the website. Yeah, rarecollectibles.tv.com. Right. Yeah, and that's where the world is changing a lot too. Of course, you know, TV. I mean, people are you know cord cutting. TV is a different animal. You know, when we started uh, Rare Collectibles TV, it was you know it was mainly a front end business. It was mainly TV was our primary place we're selling. We didn't really right. sure. do much on the back end. Now we have a sales team of twenty or thirty people that are then you know helping these clients. You know they buy something on TV and then they say, you know what? I, I want to collect this series. Do you have other dates? Do you have other, right. other things? So sure. we can, you know, so we now have a, a, a group we call our private advisory coin team, which will probably change to our private advisory collectibles team soon, but right. you know, um, because, right. Because, you know, I mean, when we started the company, we named it rare collectibles TV. And even though, you know, me and, and Rick were coin experts, the kind of, bigger idea was at some someday if we can make this work in coins we can kind of expand into other categories because sure. you know one it grows the business but two i mean a lot of collectors most collectors i know it, like i said it's like a bug it's like a gene like you collect stuff right. and i think almost everyone collects something whether they realize it or not it's like it's so many people you say you know, oh, what do you collect? Oh, I don't collect anything. And then you find out they have yeah, you're right. They have four then watches. You, then you walk right. into their basement, they got 16 beer cans of some right, beer. right, right. My or son's they got like that. He collects. Right. I go to his apartment. He's got matchbook 
matchbox uh-huh. cars in the uh-huh. packages all over the wall. I said, well, you have, a, I collect them, dad. And he's collect right. the beer cans and he collect, right. people just right. collect. It's a human, right. I think it's a human, human nature right. to do that. We're fascinated by things. Exactly. And I find, yeah. like I said, people who say they don't collect and think they don't collect, you go in their garage, they got four sets of golf clubs. They, right. you know, they, they got, you know, five watches. Yeah. It's, but, but only one rest. Really, yeah. But most people really collect, you'll find they collect, like I collect, you know, when I was a kid, I got into baseball cards. I've been collecting, you know, I'm a North Jersey guy. I, I'm collecting New York Giants football cards with my son, you know? Yeah. You know, you know, so so we started in the last year or so starting to expand. So we now do militaria, which okay. which is cool. And it's it's and I I like that category a lot as a coin guy because there is a lot of crossover. There's a lot of guys who, you know, they like the the history of, you know guys who are collecting coins from the civil war era. Now they want, Oh, can I get a gun or a sword from that period yeah. to go with my coin collection? Right. You know, right. so we, we do a lot of, you know, firearms we can do prior to 1899. So we, we don't do modern guns. We do, you know, guns that you aren't going to go fire. Um, but we do, you know, edged weapons, swords, daggers, flags are very popular. You know, yeah, sure. you know, you get these flags from the civil war you know, flags, you know, when it was 48 stars or 46 stars from these earlier eras, um, helmets, you know, all kinds of neat stuff. Sure. Yeah. So we brought in an expert named Peter Carlin, who is a great guy who knows a ton about that stuff. Um, it's funny, he's no longer there, but he grew up in New Jersey. Somehow we're all New Jersey guys. Yeah. Civil War, <laughs> colonial times. So, you know, I think that and some businesses lend themselves better to this, but I think a lot of small business owners, they miss the opportunity to build a database, a client list of people that have done business with you. Like it's so much easier for you to dig deeper with the relationship with a customer. Not everybody wants to collect different things, but a lot of people do. We know that, right? right. So for you to keep marketing, I think a lot of people, what they do is they do business with people and then they say, oh, now we're coming out with this and they start marketing and putting it out and they forget. They don't even have it in a computer anywhere of all these people that they should be keeping in touch with to announce things and, you know, keep them on in their world, so to speak, when that's just an easy thing to do. And a lot of people, you know, don't do it, but you went through the trouble to do the show, to have this person actually reach out and buy something from you or sell something to you. And you, you got the data. So, and I, I think a lot of business owners, like they miss that important even the podcast, the, the number one thing people say, you want to build a podcast, build an email list, Okay. build a follower list to keep in touch with people. Cause just putting it out on social media, it's 14 million podcasts out there. Everybody's got something to say, nothing special. You're not going to be Joe Rogan or, you know, right. Dax Shepard on, on Spotify. So it, it's content, but you know, I, I've been building an email list for years and I, I think that's a, an astute, I, I mean, I think that's for the, you guys to recognize that early on is what's going to make you and keep probably keeps making it successful. Right. Right. And, and that's where kind of, you know, I got lucky to have this other partner who, who is from the media world and the marketing world. Cause like I'd be sitting here playing with coins, you know, so he's right. been a great mentor to me on the yeah, business side of things. You know, he's not sure. a, a coin guy, but he, you know, he can, he can talk to, you know, he gets coins. Like we talk coins, he knows what he's talking about. He's not an expert, but, but his expertise in that world, and, you know, and you know, he's a guy who's built several businesses in the marketing world. So in the media world. So I learned a ton from him 
you know, that's not yeah. my expertise, but I'm learning a lot from him. And, you know, like you said, it's, you know, content is king these days. So we're creating content, but like you said, along the way, we're, you know, building a, a, a you know, a book of, of clients who, well, because that's the whole point of the content, right. To get them in your funnels. Right. You don't know right. when they're going to make a purchase or if, or whatever, right. got to get them in the world. Right. Got to right. get them in the circle. Right. I'm sure your partner very much recognizes that. Right. And, you know, we really focus on the, the, the customer, you know, we really focus on our client. Like, you know, we have a 30 day, no questions asked money back guarantee, but you don't know how many times I've, you know, somebody's, you know, later than that is called. And there's some, I don't know, issue. Oh, I didn't open the box and it wasn't what I want. No problem. Like, you know, we, you know, I want everybody who does business with rare collectibles TV to, you know, to just love it. And, you know, I just want it to be convenient, easy, you know, we're right. the kind of, you know, the Nordstrom or, or Tiffany or whatever of, of collectibles. We want it to be easy. We want you to love, you know, doing business with us, you know, you know, we try I would think, I would think though, returns, I would, I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong. I would think returns would be rare. I mean, unless the guy doesn't open the box and he realizes that he thought he ordered a Buffalo nickel and it's a, a, a wheat penny or something like that. <laughs> You know, it, it, what what are they going to do? Be disappointed with the coin? I mean, the returns are pretty low, especially especially in our private advisory coin team. The people who are working one on one kind of know what they want, right? And, and and returns are pretty rare, even on our you know what I'd call the front end of the business. People buying on TV, you know, it's pretty low. You know, usually it's just um, you know like a buyer's remorse. You know, oh, I you know maybe I shouldn't have spent that much money or my wife found out and got upset that yeah. I spent, you know, three grand on a coin or, or right. whatever. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to get into podcasting? Maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners. Care for your health. Care for the planet and look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? 
Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Um, so usually, usually it's, it's something like that. And like I said, you know, coins, even though, so today coins are graded by third-party companies. So there's, okay. so there's a few of them out there, but the two that are, are widely recognized are NGC and PCGS. So these okay. are companies, they don't buy or sell coins. They just authenticate them and certify them and, and grade them. They put a, a rating on them and they, they put don't them price in, them. They, they don't price them. Well, they do okay. have price guides online, but but their main thing is is just, you know, this coin is in mint state 65 condition and it's a real coin. You know, before that, you know, when so they're I was, grading, like not the issue of the coin, the actual coin, actual coin. I wish I had okay. one here on my desk. To have. I'm like, sorry, I'm off. No, that's good. That's bad. I like, I like let's do it uh, now. I like doing it. Uh, Perfect. As we go. Right. I actually have something like this. So here's an example of a coin that was. Oh. It's because your background. Put it yeah. in front of your face. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There we go. There we okay. go. Okay. Perfect. So this coin was certified by NGC, which is one of the grading companies. And it's Got in it. a, a tamper proof holder. So nobody can switch the coin. Right. Out. So in the old days, you know, when I was a kid, coins were, we today we call it raw, but you know, not certified like this. And I might look at a coin and say, this coin is uncirculated condition. And you might look at the coin and say, I would call that about uncirculated condition. And well, you know, in one grade, it might be a $500 coin. Another grade might be a $300 coin. So there was no kind of consistency. You know, even people who were honest might have a differing opinion. And of course, as you'd imagine, this could lead to people not being so honest and they, right. they clean coins or easy to throw. Right. Right. Easy to, yeah. So, so most of the coins we sell are certified by one of these, these two um, companies who, who put it in this holder, which is, is then tamper proof. You have to break it to like the holder to get the coin out. So they put in the little tag, which is like a certificate of authenticity and, exactly, and then they they seal it up and everything. Exactly, and, and where I was going with this though is even two coins that have the exact same grade, there still is some subjectivity to this. You know, this is still humans right. who, who grade these coins, and they're looking at at different things. So they're looking at you know how many marks there are on a coin, but they also are looking at kind of how the coin was made. The strike, meaning you know when they strike a coin, there's these two dies that come together you know, and it, it's a press, like a printing press almost, strikes the coin. Some coins, even a new coin, it wasn't struck with enough pressure or the way the design is has these kind of high points uh -huh. on either side where you don't get all the detail. So it might still be lacking some detail or the luster, which is the way the light reflects off it. You can have something that's lackluster. It's not super reflective, even though it's new. Yeah. There's one that's more reflective. So you can have two coins in the same grade and, um, you know, like I had a, a guy return a coin because he said, you know, for an MS-66, I think this coin has too many marks. This is the buyer. This is the buyer, right? So I say, send it back and I'll pick you a better coin. And 
even though uh, you know it's a, a high grade coin, MS sixty six very high grade. Seventy is okay. seventy is the highest grade that a coin can. Oh, get. that's the way it's it works. Perfect, okay. perfect coin. So for modern recent issues, you can have perfect seventy coins. For older coins before the seventies, say there's no such thing as a, a coin graded in perfect grade. Because it's just yeah. Now just you you get so if somebody comes in and sells coins and or a whole mess of coins, you then send them out to this company and then they authenticate and put them in the containers. Is that right? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's worthwhile, you're not going to do a cheap coin because the, the cost of right. grading is not right. But, but yeah, basic in, in a basic sense. Yeah. That's, that's, but like I said, there's still subjectivity. So I had, you know, a guy return a coin because he says, Oh, as a mark, I don't like it, but you know, there's still all these components. He sent this coin back and I had like six other coins I said, man, that's the coin I would have picked for myself. That one's beautiful because it had this really flashy luster. The one that he but, was sending back? But he, yeah, but he's looking at a mark kind of in the middle of the, the body uh, on you know Miss Liberty. But huh. you know, I picked a different one that wasn't as flashy luster-wise, but it had less marks. And he loved the coin. Got it. So even though you know there's these grading standards that really make it a lot more you know, kind of lets you sleep at night. You know, if you're, you don't have to take my word that the coin is this grade. There's this third party that's, that's authenticated. It's real. It's this grade. There still right. is a little subjectivity. So sometimes we get returns and it's not even returns, exchanges for reason like that. Cause I always tell somebody like, look, I think this coin is absolutely, you know, perfect for the grade. I have no problem with it, but I don't want you to ever have something where, you know, if there's this little spot or mark or something that's bothering you, I don't want you to be, every time you look at that coin, you think, oh man, I wish I didn't buy this. Like, I want you right. to look at that coin and always be like, man, Jack McNamara and those guys at Rare Collectibles TV, like they're the they, best. They always will take care of me. And right. you know, if, if I don't like something, they'll fix it. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't happen often, but we really pride ourselves on just, you know, the best quality coins. I mean, even coins that grade, you know, MS 63, like another example, I have coins you know, certain coins, they come with kind of splotchy toning. So an old silver coin, I mean, like your silverware at home will tarnish on coins yeah. we call it toning. Sometimes you get really pretty blues and pinks and coins will bring a fortune because people love that. You can't replicate it. Right. But sometimes you get toning that's brown and streaky and splotchy, but it still technically might be a high grade coin. You know, so we make sure we're not just sending you a coin that just because just because it reaches that grade level technically, we make sure we look at the coins and we're giving you coins that we think are have what we call eye appeal. You know, coins that look really nice for that given grade. What what uh can you tell me some stories about some crazy stuff you've seen over the years come through, whether it's at stacks or rare collectibles? Yeah, we just we've we've had some really wild coins. So one coin that we placed with a client uh is called an ultra high relief St. Gaudens. So again, back to this era when Roosevelt tapped St. Gaudens to redesign our coins. They start with the biggest coin, which is the $20 gold piece called a double eagle. Got it. So there was a gold piece for 20 bucks in those days. Right, right. Right. And it's called a double eagle. People think there's two eagles, but it's because when the mint first started making coins, the biggest coin was a $10 coin and they nicknamed that coin, the eagle. So when they Ah. started to get a $20 coin, they call it double eagle. Right. Um, But so when when Roosevelt gets St. Gaudens to redesign the coins, 
first I've seen Goins at first didn't want to do it because he had a bad experience with the mint because he made a medal for them and they just redesigned the reverse of it without telling him. And he was like, I want yes. nothing to do with the mint. Like he was, <laughs> yeah, he was not happy. Um, but Roosevelt, you know, convinced him like they had this kind of vision for our coins. Um, and they were inspired by there's ancient coins that had what they call a high relief, meaning the design is really, really raised from the background of the coin. So they were trying to make these coins kind of really works of art. Uh-huh. So they start with this $20 coin and St. Gaudens designs this, this coin has this woman that's Liberty walking off of the coin, striding towards the viewer because our coins traditionally before that had kind of a woman's head representing Liberty. And even though it was representing Liberty, it's a very kind of European design. Like, you know, all the coins at the time had, you know, the King of England, the King of Spain. So it had the same kind of style. This was like a whole stylistic change. Like they're trying to make a work of art. But when they're working on this idea to make this work of art, it's also still got to be a coin. It's got to be able to work in the banking system. Right. So they make these coins in this ultra high relief where it's really raised. And, you know, these coins, they don't stack. You know, when they strike a coin, you know, in that, that press where the coin strikes, you know, they had to strike these coins like a dozen times to get this relief to come out like this. So the very, very earliest ones, they called ultra high relief. It had this really high relief. They lowered it a little and made a small amount of coins for circulation in a, in a high relief. And eventually they had to lower it to a much more flat relief. But the very first ones in this ultra high relief, they only made about a dozen or so, oh, wow. or 16 so or so. So it must be very valuable. Incredibly rare, incredibly rare, incredibly valuable. We sold one to a client um, in a grade of AU58. Now, anything 60 or higher is uncirculated. So this coin had a little bit of wear. For this coin, which never really circulated, this is actually the lowest graded one. But part of the kind of myth about this, and there's no way to prove this, but we believe it could very well be there is a coin that was known that Roosevelt had sent to St. Gaudens to inspect, and then St. Gaudens gave it back, and Roosevelt had it in its drawer. So yeah, the theory is that possibly the reason this coin has this little bit of wear on it is because it very well could have been this coin. His that coin. Roosevelt and St. Gaudens coin. So that yeah, coin we, we um, placed with a client, uh, and that was the first seven-figure coin that we sold. So that's a, a rare, important Seven coin. figures is in excess of a million. Yes. Yeah. 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 So- that was pretty exciting. I actually, it's funny. I actually um, had this coin when I was at Stax. Stax had this coin and needed me to show it to someone. And I stopped at home and I have a picture of my son when he's two years old hold, holding this coin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which my wife thought I was nuts. Um, history, but, right? Yeah. But it's a piece of, it's a piece of our history. I mean, these are things that you'd find in the Smithsonian, you know, we do a lot of, of coins off. There's a shipwreck that went down in 1857 called the SS Central America. They were bringing gold from the gold rush from California to the banking centers in the Northeast. And a hurricane sinks this ship. And it, it had a huge impact on the economy. 
There was actually yeah, because we had a gold standard in those days, right? Everything. Yeah, I mean, our money was gold. It wasn't like yeah. today where they're just printing, you know, whatever. Like, you know, that was right. our we didn't, money. Did we even have any paper money then? Just a little bit, right? It's a little bit, yeah, to a degree, but not like today. But but right, um, you know, at that point, it was actually still the banks were issuing their own money. It wasn't federally regulated. Right, it wasn't. Yeah, national bank. Yeah. So we, what's the biggest, the highest coin we have now? Like, a, is it a dollar? For circulation, it's a there's dollar. still a dollar coin. Yeah, for circulation, yeah. But there are bigger coins that the mint makes for collectors or for people who right, want you to can't spend them. Nobody's gonna. You could. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, you you have a a, a gold eagle that's an ounce of gold that has a fifty dollar face value, but I wouldn't recommend spending an ounce of gold for fifty dollars. <laughs> right. So you, you could. you could. I mean, you could go into a store and give them a fifty dollar coin, and they give you paper. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, you right. Could. No. You know, part part of that is is because for whatever reason, collectors really they want a coin, and if it doesn't have a denomination, if it's not legal tender, then it's a metal or a token. Got you it. Know, kind of semantics. I right. come, I love. No, tokens I understand. And I agree. Yeah, you know? and a lot of collectors like tokens and metals. I love tokens and metals too, but a lot right. of collectors want a coin. So the government yeah. kind of knows that, and they're marketers too, and they go, "Oh, we'll put a denomination. It's a coin." Yeah, well, coins are representative of some sort of monetary system. Maybe it's not right. dollars or in the US, but yeah. Right. I, I was thinking that when you mentioned the the gold coin that, the, you know, in those days, I don't know what they used them for, if they put them in machines or, you know, if how they use the money. But I think as time went on, you had like, you know, like vending machines and things like that. If you had too, you know, rich of a design, it, it wouldn't work. Right. They, they got to fit in these slots and stuff. Yeah. There's issues. There's issues with, um, when they came out with the Buffalo nickel, which is a famous uh-huh, yeah. American coin design, there were issues with that because the relief was a little too high compared to the prior Liberty head nickel. And they had to kind of rework the design um, at that time. And there were business interests lobbying against this new coin because it wasn't, they, they didn't want to have to, you know, reconfigure their machines, you know, put a nickel yeah. in the Nickelodeon, you know, they had, right. to, you know, you don't um, think about that stuff, you know, and it happened again in more recent times because, when they changed the dollar coin, you know, when when I was a kid, they had the Susan B. Anthony came out, which was I remember. Yep, I have right, some of those. Unpopular because it was too similar to a quarter, yeah. but they were still used in vending machines. And then when they changed to the newer coins, the Sacagawea and the you know the Native American dollars that are used now, and the, and the presidential dollars that are used now, they're made of manganese, which is that gold color. They call it the golden dollar. Right, it makes it look gold. Right, it looks right. it's a gold color but it's manganese, but you know, they had to, there was a, a long time before they switched to that new metal content because there were all this testing because they needed to work in vending as much as we don't think about dollar coins very much. You know, you don't really use them much in change. They are used a lot in vending. You know, you go to, you go to New York to get your Metro card and, you yeah, and dollars come out. You yeah. Get those dollar coins at. So they are needed in, in vending still. So there was a lot of, of thought kind of put into when they made those new coins. Yeah. When did they change? Not that the penny's worth a penny anymore, but um, probably cost them more to make the penny than it's actually used in yeah. monetary systems. Wh- why did they get rid of the wheat symbol and switch over to the, what's the on the back? Lincoln is Memorial. It, Lincoln is Memorial. it the Lincoln Memorial? Oh, well, well, now it's changed one. again, but uh, in f- 1959, they changed over to the Lincoln Memorial. That was the 50th year of the Lincoln cent. And that Got was- 150th anniversary of Lincoln's birth. 
because so Lincoln was made Lincoln was born in 1809, so that's why they started the penny in 1909. Um, oh, and then, okay, yeah. And then in 2009, they did a series where they had four different reverses representing the stages of Lincoln's life, and then from then on, they've changed it. If you look now, there's a uh, a shield on the reverse. Okay, which was designed. I, I don't think I have too many pennies anymore. I just you don't even look at them. You know, I mean, most people don't don't look at them. You know? Doesn't it cost the mint more than a penny to make a penny? It does cost. Yeah, That's cost absurd. Why do we have a penny then? Just get rid of it. Every time they try and do, it, people freak out. People you freak can't get out. Rid of it. I mean, right. other countries don't do it, or, or like you know, there's no paper dollars in most countries, or you know, or euros. Like they all go to these a coin. Right. It costs the government. More than a penny to make a penny it costs more than a nickel to make a nickel. They make money on the dimes and the quarters, um, but coins last in circulation about thirty years. But then paper money it. lasts about eighteen months. So a dollar, oh okay, a dollar wears out and they have to replace it every eighteen months. Where if they could get us using dollar coins, you know, they long time right. You know, so it it costs the government money to do this. But every time they propose to get rid of the dollar bill. People go nuts and say, Oh, we're going to be walking around with our pockets, heavy stuff and our heavy stuff. But I go, you're not going to have more than like four, you know, then you get a $5. Use a debit card. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now everything's electronic. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's crazy. Now it is, um, if you go back, I remember there, well, I remember this is way before you and I were born, but there used to be a smaller denomination than the penny and they got rid of that. Yes, there was a half cent, uh, and that was used because when the mint started operating, so the the first kind of U.S. mint coins, there's a little kind of gray area. It's 1792, they struck some coins before the mint building was constructed, kind of in a guy's basement in Philadelphia. Uh, And then 1793, the mint is officially open, and they, they start making half cents because you could buy two loaves of bread for a penny back in 1793. So half cent was a denomination that they used until 1857. Right. Um, and then they said other weird denominations. They had a two cent piece that was uh, in the 1860s and early 1870s. They had three cent pieces, which were popular at the time because a stamp, a, a regular postal first class stamp was three cents. So that was used for that. Um, and then in the Civil War era, they actually had fractional currency because people were hoarding their coins during the civil war. And it, it's kind of like in COVID times, the money isn't certain coins aren't right. circulating. So the government actually struck uh, or not struck, but printed uh, what they call fractional currency. So there's paper money that was like five cents, 25 cents, three cents for a little while there too. Right. Well, that, that affects the collectability of stuff, right? I mean, over time, if it changes and then the old right. ones is less of them and it's, it right. affects the whole business. Right. People get interested in it. Certain ones are, you know, certain ones become rare, you know, whether it's because they just didn't make a lot or sometimes it's because a lot of them don't survive. Right. So, that, you know, there's, you know, we talk about absolute rarity, meaning something's rare no matter what, just because, like I said, like the most expensive coin, there's a 1933 $20 double eagle sold for almost $20 million last year. Really? Yeah. But Why? They, well, they made, they made about 450,000 of them. And then during the depression, Franklin Roosevelt tells us we're no longer using gold coins. He's trying to get the economy jump started. So people are afraid, you know, that paper money could, you know, there could be inflation or something. Yeah. So people are kind of 
hoarding their gold coins and spending their paper money. So he, he uh, signs this, this uh, order, executive order, that says you have to turn in your gold. So now it's supposed to get people spending paper money again. It also, because now the government has all this gold in their vaults, it, you know, they're now authorized to print more paper money. Off right. of this. So, but this happened in 1933 and the government struck about 450,000 $20 gold pieces, but they never got released because then, oh. then this order comes into place. They so melt the order them all down. In. Right. Got so it. they melt them all down, but there was a small amount that somehow got out. And over the years, the secret service, like these would come up in auction or, or you know, for sale, or they yeah, find yeah. out somebody had in their collection, the secret service would actually come and take your coin and they would take it and melt it. They said, this You're is kidding, our right? property. This is never was supposed to leave. Oh, so none of it was supposed to be released. Somehow uh, it got leaked out. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, but that's an example of a coin where they made a decent amount of them, but they all got melted and they don't survive. You know, so you'll find, you know, we call absolute rarity is where the coins rare no matter what. Then there's also what we call condition rarity where it's rare and high grade. So maybe a lot of them exist like, like, but most of them got used. Yeah. So to find one that wasn't used is a big deal. Now, is there a difference with the collector of somebody who collects like foreign currency and foreign coins versus American coins that all mix? I remember in the, in the stamp in business, the stamp world that used to be like, you could get like a U.S. stamp book and all these U.S. stamps, or you could get a world book right. and they would have stuff from around the world. Is it's the same kind of thing or you don't, you don't see that as much? You yeah, know, you do. I mean, you know, we're based in the United States. So, well, so right. most of our clients are are collecting U.S. We deal in a little bit of world coins. Um, you know, I think most people are interested in their own country, but you know, a lot of people like to collect foreign coins because of their design or because of their ancestry or because of the history. Right. I mean, there's, I mean, one of the cool things about collecting coins or collecting anything is, I mean, you can collect as many ways as there are collectors, you know, right. You can collect you whatever you want. Right. You know, I like, you know, for myself, I, I try not to compete with, with my clients, you know, so I, I love these weird, like Irish, tokens like that are like you know <laughs> like a guy in dublin in the 1840s advertising his hat shop like you know on a you, coin yeah i mean you could spend it in his store but it was it you know it's a privately issued it, you know you know oh, it was like, like a gift coin from his store well they would use these some 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 businesses and this happened in the civil war because there wasn't a lot there was a lack of official money so private issuers would issue coins and you, know, you have to remember coins originally, their purpose was they were trading at their metal content, even a copper coin. So paper money is more kind of like an IOU. Right. Money, I mean, the history of money, it goes back to ancient times where we're on a barter system. You want to trade this piece of silver you found for my goats. Right. Right. They're, they're going to weigh the silver and they're going right. to say there's so many ounces and it's there were. Yeah, of course. Exactly. So the, the idea, the concept of a coin was it was a pain in the neck. You got to test the metal. You got to weigh the metal. Right. Somebody got the idea about six or seven hundred B.C. Well, when I test it and weigh it, why don't I stamp it with this mark? So I know exactly what it is. I don't got to go through the whole rigmarole next time I look at it. I go, oh, I know that's 
you know, an ounce of silver or whatever. I mean, it would have been a smaller amount, but right. You know, so that's the concept of a coin. It's basically this is we know how much metal is here. So, so even up to more recent times, you know, really up to you know 1933, we stopped using gold. 1964, we stopped using silver. You know, you're trading really based on the amount of metal was there. And you know, in the in the U.S. up until the mid 19th century, they were still using coins from all different countries. They were using coins struck in you know French coins, English coins, privately made coins. That you know, so there were businesses that sometimes would make their own coins, and you know, you could spend them in their shop, but you could also it's also advertising for them. Right. I got it. I got it. But now like, when you, you love to have the accidental entrepreneur logo on the back of a quarter and somebody's yeah. in the store and they, you know, they're seeing your, yeah. your advertising. I could do that. I could have it, not a real coin, but it's a, I could actually have a, some sort of a token made right on the internet. Right. Find some company. Right, but you couldn't spend it. it today. I guess no. what I'm saying back then, it actually could be used as money. Right. I mean, now <laughs> it's really just representative of purchasing power, right? So it's backed by the government of the United States. Right. They're going to treat it as 25 cents. Regardless right. of what metal it's made of. Right. Right. Yeah. Now I remember we were talking before about the state quarters as they came out and you were collect we were collecting them and stuff. Is there anything that's out there now that's being collected and issued it for some reason? It's some sort of a series, anything? Yeah. So now they're doing um, you know, a series on important women. Like there was just a, a Maya oh. Angelou quarter that came out. So cool. when the state quarters ended, it was such a huge success. They were like, Well, how do we continue? Then they did America the Beautiful. So they did all the state parks. Okay. And now they've just started this year this new series on on you know women important American women in history. And like I said, the Maya Angelou one just came out. I forget who else is coming out this year, but that'll be an ongoing series for the next several years right, too. Okay, my and again, it goes back. To, you yeah, collecting no, kids learn about history. You know, it's right. a great way for for you know kids to learn about these important people. In, I think it's history. becoming harder, right? Because. When I was collecting the state coins, we, you know, you're spending money and you're getting change and whatever. I don't see change that often anymore. And my kids don't see it. They have a debit card and they use Venmo and they, you know, dad, I, and my, certainly my kids at college, forget about it. They don't see, and you don't see this stuff. I remember when the parks ones came out, how many parks were there? How many parks are there? 50. I think they did for every state. Oh, there's a park, some sort of a park in every state okay yeah. i definitely didn't see more than a half a dozen or a dozen right. of them because i don't see enough coins i right. used to have this did you grow up when you used to have one of those big water bottles and oh yeah we just throw the change in there and then you yep. couldn't carry it and you realize what the hell did i do and yeah. you got to get it out of there i have a little jar on my in my bedroom it takes a year and a half to fill up now it used to yeah. fill up all the time now right. i can't find anywhere to count it by the way but there's uh, machines i know at some of the supermarkets and stuff right. during pandemic i had all these coins and i was like well i'm gonna get rid of these now Every machine I went to either wasn't emptied because there was nobody working, uh-huh. <laughs> or or it was or it was full or it was out of order. Right, right. So it, that becomes more difficult. But yeah, I remember that I didn't see those because I just wasn't getting the coin. So I would think that for the kids, it's got to be tougher now for them to collect unless they specifically go to a store and say, "I I want four quarters," or go to a bank, you know, and right. try and collect them. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a little harder, I guess, but it's not too hard to start. I mean, people do get changed, like you said, to less of a degree, but it's out there if you spend cash. Yeah, you if know, you do if it you, right, if you're um, conscious you know, of it. Another thing that, you know, we did when I was a kid, when we we're starting, you know, we'd go to the bank and get rolls. You know, if I'm trying to fill my quarter book, you know, you get your mom to take you to the bank with like a baseball card pack. You open it up and you see what you got. Right. 
Right. You yeah. go through and like, oh, like if you found a silver one, it was like the jackpot, you know, like, you know, 1964 or earlier, the coin still had silver, silver. you know, or, or, you know, just looking for those state quarters, you know, trying to fill those holes in the, the state quarter album. So, so I have an old Susan B. Anthony from like 1923. So that's silver. Well, that wouldn't be Susan B. Anthony. That'd be a peace dollar. But yeah, that's silver. If it's 1923, Susan B. Oh, Anthony is a little Anthony. one from 1999. This so, was a big one. Yeah, that's the big one. That's a peace dollar. Oh, okay. But yeah, that's Sorry. that's silver. That's silver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I got it somewhere in the house. My great grandfather gave it to me. Yeah. And everybody seems to have a few like coins that they got from a grandfather or an uncle or somebody. Yeah. You know. Well, because you're not. You know, it's it's just like stamps. I guess if you're not into stamps, you don't know. You don't. You don't throw out coins. It's money. Right. Right. Exactly. I would assume that you could still spend that money as as at its denomination if you wanted to. I mean, if Good. the guy says, okay, he gives you 25. If he's not an idiot, he then goes to your store and sells <laughs> it for some real money, you know, but it's the, right. It's denomination is still acceptable. Yeah. The U S is, I believe, well, maybe not the only, but the U S is, is one of the few countries that has never demonetized any of our old coins or, or money. So you can spend, you know, when the European countries went to the euro, you had a certain amount of time to turn in, you know, a, a you know, a, I don't know, Countries, French whatever. 20 franc or, you know, or you know, a franc or something. Or else it's no good. Yeah. Not like you have those old coins because people would come in when, you know, when I worked in the store and they'd have coins from vacation and, you know, they're like, well, what's this worth? And I'm like, well, it's basically by the pound, <laughs> you know, like people would buy the, buy and sell it by the pound and they're like well can i go redeem it i'm like these coins aren't used anywhere anymore or the paper money right. it's not using it if it's still used you know you could go to an exchange bank they'll exchange the paper money but they don't want the coins um but the other coins they're not even used anymore Just u.s never weight. did that u.s yeah. you can use anything it's still like i said wouldn't recommend it some of them are worth more and even right. coins that are are not rare per se you know, they're still worth the silver. You know, if you're, you know, you have an old silver dollar from like 1923, like the one you have, if it's worn out, it might not have a lot of value as a collectible because they made a lot of them. And it probably, you know, if it's worn out and not in super high grade, but the very least you've got, you know, more than three quarters of an ounce of silver there. So there's, yeah, right. So there's value there. Like, you know. Yeah, you know. exactly. No, it's not in good shape. <laughs> it's worn. It's definitely worn, but it's, I guess it's worth more than a dollar. So much more than a dollar. Yeah. And you know, it, that's the thing. I'm such a n- nerd. You know, I see these coins that you know, you know, I get excited about these million dollar things that should be in the Smithsonian, and like I've never imagined I'd see. But I get just as excited. You know, I have friends like you know you that and they have a cigar box or a you know a baggie or something with these coins and. The, you know, everybody wants it. What's it worth? And I'm, you know, right. I to, hey, Jack, I usually, it's coming over. Get out your I usually collection. have to kind of try and gently <laughs> tell them it's not worth a ton. You know, they're not going to retire, but it's, I'm all excited about it. I'm like, oh, look at this. This is from, you know, they made this More because nostalgia. of World War II. What's right, it worth? Right. Five cents. Like, oh, right. <laughs> right. But it's nostalgic, right? It's nostalgic and it's the history of it. And like, you know, just imagine like, you know, who held this and, and you know, what was going on at the time, you know, I don't know. It just, I guess it just gets my imagination running a little bit. Definitely. Definitely. Well, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on because I know it's probably the middle of the day there. It's four 30 here and talking to me and teaching people about, you know, they should check out rare We'll put all your links in the show notes and, you know, 
learn about the 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 world of of coin collecting your your passion and i appreciate you spending the time with me yep thank you so much for having me yeah coins and military and movie posters now too so <laughs> expanding into all kinds of collectibles sounds good check them out online great thanks mitch really appreciate it if you like the podcast please tell others about us you can find us on apple podcasts on google podcasts on Amazon Music, and many of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted and produced by me, Mitch Beinhacker. If you'd like more information about my legal services, you can find me on social media or visit my website at beinhackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.